Welcome to episode three of Ask Wolves, where supporters' questions are put to Executive Chairman Jeff Shee and the club's senior leadership team. I'm Johnny Phillips, and in this episode, we'll be hearing from Jeff, Technical Director Scott Sellers, General Manager of Commercial Operations Vinnie Clark, General Manager of Marketing and Growth Russell Jones, and General Manager of Football Operations Matt Wilde. I'll be asking fans questions about sustainability, the global growth of Wolves, how the commercial vision ties in with the ambitions of the first team, the kit, sponsorship, match day experience and the women's teams. One of the issues that's cropped up is sustainability uh, and the environmental side of running a club these days. Tom Rouse, Nicholas Andrews Govin have asked, are there any plans to become more eco-friendly, uh, carbon neutral? Matt, any thoughts on that? I think we're well on the way with that. You know, for example, we've got 90% of our lighting you know, at Compton and Molyneux is now LED. We use 100% renewable e electricity. We're in talks with having solar panels on the roofs here at Compton and uh, on the, some of the stands at Molyneux. Uh, so, you know, I think it, it's part of a bigger sustainability programme, but we are, you know, we are conscious of it and we are being proactive in trying to implement ways to be more sustainable. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of ways in which Fosun led the way during the pandemic, Jeff. Is, is this something that you feel uh, in this country you could be a leader on? Leader on what, sorry? Leader on the environmental side of a club, how to become carbon neutral and looking at maybe the technologies that you can see? Yeah, I think around the remit of the club, we can do everything to, to help with that. So, for example, about the lighting, about energy saving, about uh, everything we can do. But uh, outside of that, I, I think I want to focus, because we are still a club, you know, a football club, so I think the major job is about the, the sports here. So, so sometimes I, I talked a lot with Will, uh, the head of our foundation, and, and I think uh, uh, some jobs will leave to them to do the job for us. And, uh, but uh, around the club, uh, when we are running the club for every day, and uh, we will, will plan a lot to, to, to make uh, saving the energy and try, try to help the environment. And, uh, Sometimes it's not only about that. I think in some special cases, and we have, we are trying to help the community here, like we have done something in the mm -hmm. pandemic. So currently, I I want to say there is a, truly a kind of emotional attachment from Forsen to Wolverhampton, the people here. So, yeah, I think that can be so, seen. So, so yeah. we care about the people here. So if we can do uh, do anything to help, we will help. And uh, and also we are a, a little special because Forsen has a lot of things. Uh, in the world, you know, so so we have more resources to help. Not like we are only one club. So I'm keeping talking with the owners, and I, I think uh, if any chance, if we can leverage the the resources from the group, they will do that. Talking of the group, Ross, um, and sort of Wolves' place in the wider Fosun community. Where where is the global growth uh, happening, and what sort of structure are you looking at in that? I think there's a number of parts to our global growth. I think, first, it's useful to understand where we've come from. So three years ago, probably half a million followers on our social channels, very, very UK-based. And three years on, we're, we're now nearly 7 million followers across social channels in five different languages. Um, and it's really interesting when you look at, and I just said it earlier, so where do those fans come from and how do we engage them? So we, you know, we have lots of really talented agencies that work for us around the world and they help us 
uh, create content that resonates locally, that becomes authentic. And you know, to your point, Johnny, are these people really Wolves fans? And yeah, we you know we genuinely believe that that they are because you know we aren't just publishing English content and translating it into a different language. We are you know we're infiltrating that community. We're building long-term relationships with fans. I mean, I've been lucky enough to sort of go to a lot of these countries and last time I was in Mexico I can tell you anywhere you go with a wall stop on you're getting a see senor sort of yell you know yell back at you uh, I think I sent some pictures to Vinny because I was I was quite shocked when I went to the Club America game that outside the ground they've got literally hundreds of tents selling a kind of fake product every single one of these tents has got wall shirts uh, I, I wasn't sure if that was good or bad I mean from a marketing perspective it was great from a retail perspective maybe not so but I, I think asked, I asked him to try and shut them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, it, what is great is it just shows us that you know there's that real love for for the club out there. Uh, I mean, in terms of you know commercial revenue, we know there's a, a direct relationship between your fan base and what you can drive commercially. So the bigger your fan base, the bigger your opportunity. Whether that's in retail and licensing, or whether that's in partnership sponsorship, because clearly you can give those partners and sponsors significantly more exposure if your fan base is bigger. So, you know, it's my job to really get out there and, you know, help develop this fan base. I think in the three years that that's I've been here, we've seen our commercial revenue go from seven million to twenty-five million. And while that's good, that twenty-five million is it pales into insignificance compared to you know Man United, who are like a thousand percent more in terms of their commercial <laughs> revenue. Tottenham six hundred percent more in terms of their commercial revenue. So. We're part one of our journey, but we've got a, a long way to go to, to, to really look at, you know, how do we go and tell bigger stories, better stories. And, you know, one of the things that, that, that we talk about in terms of the Fosun Group and the fact that they've got such a huge portfolio of companies across so many different industries. They, they do break them down into health, wealth and happiness, but it's so diverse. Uh, you know, and, and Jeff very much has, has encouraged sort of the marketing and the commercial teams to think in entrepreneurially. So for us, it's, it's not just about necessarily a football club, because I think if we only focused on us being a football club, then it's going to be really hard to start to drive those revenues that these, mm, other, mm. these other football clubs do. So we're now starting to develop our esports projects. We're starting to develop projects in motor racing, music, fashion, and, and so on. So actually, if you imagine, and this is very different to football, this is very unique. You know, we think of ourselves probably more of the Red Bull model, than we do a, as a traditional football club. And look, you know, what, 20 years ago, if you asked someone what Red Bull were, they would have told you a, a caffeinated drink that gives you wings. They're now a $3 billion mm. sports and entertainment business, you know, with verticals in motor racing, extreme sports, record label, the gaming company. And that's, that's our vision. Our vision is to take Wolves kind of global and build a brand and a fan base and off the back of it, you know, commercial revenue that can then support our football club to really push on. Tying in with that, Martin said he thinks a Wolves 2020 cricket team would be a good idea. <laughs> now, I, I, it's interesting what you say because obviously a certain section of fans will wince at the idea of that, that sort of, you know, that, the, the hole that you're describing there with, with brand very much at the front of it. But how, how can you relate that to the first team? Did, will it have a direct impact on the first team? The numbers you mentioned before will filter, filter into the first team in terms of transfer revenues and that? Yeah, of course, economics of football club are, are relatively simple, aren't they? You know, it's up to sort of, you know, me and Vinny and all of our teams to drive as much commercial revenue as we can, filters back into the team. Clearly, we've got to work towards financial fair play. So it's, it's the only way to drive our, 
Now I to drive our business. It's, 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 it's more about the attention. You have to get attention from the world. You have to get the, the eyeballs, you know. So I think uh, uh, revenue and profit will come after that. But uh, to do something important, you have, to, you have to make the people around the world to know you, to be aware of you. So only by primarily affordable is not enough. You have to you have to promote Wolves as a, a brand or across the world. They, they they can buy many other chances to, to know you. If they start to know you, then you have a chance to get more revenue or get a, a bigger fan base. So so now we are at the the first stage. We we, we are trying to to get the awareness from the world. I think it's not a day compared with five years ago. In five years ago, I can tell you, in China maybe. 100 fans, you know, just uh, they, they know, they, they knew Wolves maybe from some games, you know, some mobile games where they knew Wolves, but they, they never heard Wolves really, but now it's not a day. So, so we will keep doing this. And um, in my view, it's, it's very important to find a way to let the people around the world to know you, not only about football fans, all the people, they, they should find a way to know you. That, that, uh, that is our job. Uh, and everything we do is, is ultimately to drive success of the first team. You know, people yeah. can often see esports and that type of stuff as a distraction. Mm -hmm. And why we're we doing that? Mm -hmm. We're doing it because we ultimately want to make the organisation stronger commercially and, mm -hmm. and competitively. And that's you know that drives everything that we do. That that point about distraction is a really good word because in that sense, when when fans look at the we talked about it for the structure of the club, and they they will be thinking. Are, are Wolves taking their eye off the ball, but they're very much not, are they, by what you're saying there? It's a wholly different department from what Scott's side the, and, yeah, and Nuno's side. I think absolutely. I, I look, we know we're in a competitive kind of peer group, so when we go to market for partnership, we're going to be talking to the same types of companies that Everton, West Ham, we, we know that, right? So we, what we don't want to have is the same proposition as them, which, look, is an amazing Premier League, the world's most watched league, fantastic. A product on the pitch which is achieving you know, pushing for Europa pushing for Champions League football again it's similar in a lot of ways to that peer group so actually from our perspective we have to tell different stories about when you partner with Wolves you can actually now partner with a motor racing team you can partner in an esports you can partner with this you can partner with that it's a really exciting proposition and it's very very different to every other football club and, and that gives us a competitive edge ultimately or will do longer term uh, Scott, Luke Fellows has asked whether or not um, signing more players from different parts of the world could, could make a difference. He, he particularly looks at Son at, at Spurs and the impact that's had w with his home nation. Is, is that too, too crude a way of looking at it? Would, would you entertain signing players simply because of where they are in the world? I think, I think having Foles in his own, we've, um, we've focused. We've, got, we've had three or four Chinese players within the academy. So, um, you know... One player was sold back to China uh, at the moment, Donda, one of our young players is on loan uh, in Beijing. So, yeah, I think we would be stupid not to look at all the markets. As you said before, we've, we've certainly looked uh, around, around Europe at Asian players particularly. So, yeah, it's something that very much we're focused with Brexit as well. We're looking all over Europe and all over the world in Asia and, and North America. So it's certainly something that we would be stupid not to do. The kit is something that a lot of fans have spoken about uh, and why can't we go back to an old gold wool's top <laughs> now i think there's confusion with this i think certain fans have gold? different opinions on what old gold is russ what's old gold oh crikey local. i know i am I, and <laughs> do you know what i mean I, i'm a born and bred wolves fan as you know john and if you asked me what old gold was i'd probably struggle to tell yeah. you i can tell you what my favorite gold is 
Um, and I can probably tell you what my son's favourite gold is, and I can tell you what the Pantone references of our brand gold is, but I'm not sure I'd, I'd hold, hold up my hand on my heart and tell you what old gold is. Um, so look, I, I think from our perspective, it's, it's a case of, you know, what is the most popular gold colour that's going to help, you know, drive, drive the football club forward. And, you know, I think we believe that really vibrant, dynamic, bright gold is yeah. under the floodlights just... Just well, that was the 50s team. It was under the floodlights. And they had a special satin shirts mm -hmm. made to shine. Yeah, and that certainly wasn't old gold. But yeah. if, you, if you look into history and tradition, you should definitely look at that 50s sure. side. I mean, um, where, where do you stand on kit, Vinny? Are you, uh, are you a fan of playing around with them and different designs? Is, is, is this your domain? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my background before joining Wolves was I, I'm from a merchandising and product background. So, you know, kit's always very high on, on my agenda. Um, and again, it's, it's about, it, you can't play around too much with certain things. Certain things are sacred. You know, home kit colours are, yeah. are, are traditionally, you know, very well respected. Whereas we like to think that we can, you know, potentially be a bit more creative and experimental on maybe a third kit. Or, you know, we've had great success over the last couple of years with our Mexican and Portuguese inspired third kits, for example. Uh, which you can maybe be, a, you know, you've got more of a creative license and it's, it's less emotive on a third kit. So, you know, we, we try and always find that balance on product between, you know, respecting the heritage and the history of the club, um, but also trying to modernise and, and move with the times and the trends that are, that are in the market at the moment. How much can you say about the next kit deal and, uh, and <laughs> where, where Wolves will be going? Yeah, I think I'm safe to say that <laughs> this is going out after that announcement. So, yeah, we, uh, we've recently... Um, signed that well not recently now but we've signed a, a kit deal with castor uh, who are a, a british premium sportswear uh, brand um that's been sort of ongoing for what feels like forever now but it's a massive deal for the club it's um it, it's, it's the biggest technical partnership that we've we've ever done by some distance um, and interestingly it's a unique uh, pa partnership model in the fact that it breaks away from the traditional model that, that clubs have with, with the, the usual suspects, um, you know, your Adidas, your Nikes, your Pumas of this world. Um, and by that, what I mean is Castor, in our new partnership, will be making our premium product for our athletes, for our coaches and our players. But on the retail side, the club are going to be manufacturing the product themselves. Um, and we're working very closely with Castor to make sure that all of the relevant approvals are gained, and it's a you know it's a hugely profitable deal for us from a sponsorship and a and a product perspective. But what it does is it, it gives us the flexibility that now we have that control over the supply chain. We're not over risking ourselves on inventory. We're driving you know our cost price down because there isn't a middleman involved, and we're able to pass that on to to the fans. Um, you know I know we talked earlier in, on the ticketing side about fairness and being reasonable, and kit is something that that we can be under where our peers are because of this new deal that we've done and where next year you'll see you know, kits in the Premier League around £65-70. We're going to be still at £55 for our replica jersey. So it's a great deal. It also gives us the ability to have bespoke products. I know from, from many, many bits of feedback that we've had, fans get frustrated that we have the same gear as many other teams do and that's a constant source of frustration everything that we're going to wear next year is completely exclusive to Wolves and there's nobody in the world that's going to be wearing the same stuff. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a massive deal for us for many reasons. The commercial benefits, the, the, you know, the fan benefits are going to be there for all to see. And one interesting one that I'm really keen to, to be bringing in is we're going to have a range of women's replica products next year, which we've not had in, in, in recent years. So another massive, massive plus for us there. So it's a great deal and we're really excited about it. 
I think I mean, I, on that one, it's worth noting that obviously when we when we went through the conversations with potential kit partners, everyone came to the table. Okay. Um, and that's exciting for us yeah. because it, it sort of it says a lot about the club and where the club are going, and the fact that everybody wants to sit at the table and have a conversation with you about being your kit partner. Uh, and our you know our, our narrative internally is all about being the the challenger club for challenger brands, and so it was important to us to find a partner that actually was going to dare to be different, was going to shake up the market a little bit. Um, and also, you know, as part of their commitment to us, as Vinny says, commercially it's so far superior to anything the club have ever had in the past. But also there's a, an allowance, a budget allowance uh, from a marketing perspective to go and work together to tell our stories in new geographic markets together. So there's, a, you know, a real, very much a sort of a, a partnership, true partnership opportunity. Uh, and the other thing, we talked a little bit about global fan bases and being able to activate certain markets. You know, we've not just we, but clubs historically struggle to activate markets quickly. So the way the brands work, it's it's they're, they're cumbersome oil tankers of, of machines. They don't they're not agile, they're not nimble. Because we're manufacturing the replica products ourselves, it means we can really get product into Mexico. We've got emerging markets in North Africa. Uh, you know, obviously we've got our colleagues in China who who have the world's mega store out there and some marketplaces out there. So. If we if we were to sign a player that opens up a new market, a Brazil or an Argentina, overnight for us, it won't now take us two three years to be able to turn that around and, and get products and activate that market. We can do that instantly now because of the new deal and the model that's in place. So that's a massive benefit for us as well. There's one big ethical debate when it comes to the shirt, and that's obviously the sponsor. And, and Wolves have a gambling sponsor, and you know, give, given. That the problems gambling can cause in communities. Where do you sit as a club with having a, a gambling sponsor on the shirt? I, th I think that we, you know, we 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 believe that you know gambling and football, a little bit like alcohol, they're they're, they're part of the game. And and I think that we would always encourage responsible gambling at, at all times. But I think it's also fair to say that that Manbet have been a fantastic partner to the football club. Um, and we go to the market. We talk to you know hundreds of of, of companies every single year. And commercially. By some considerable distance, Manbet is the best deal on the table, and obviously they've been our partner for two years, and they've been a fantastic partner to the, to the football club. So, you know, from our perspective, we are we're really happy with that relationship. Do you understand, Jeff, that there will always be some fans that, that quite rightly point to the problems with gambling and, and see it as an issue? Yeah, I think it's the issue from the government. Just us. it's not the issue by us. I think just if it's legal in the UK, I think the society and the community and the government think it's the right thing to do. So for me, uh, our view is just to fo follow the law and uh, follow the legality or, and uh, follow the government. If it's okay in the UK, I think there is a proper reason here and it will exist. And also for the competition, if other clubs can do this, if we don't do this, it's a kind of disadvantage for, for, for us. So I personally, I have no uh, positive or negative about which partner will be a, a good partner. I cannot say that because under a legal per, uh, perspective, I think if, if they are all good partners to myself. And uh, uh, so yeah, hope that can answer your question. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it does. <laughs> it, it, it's quite calculated yeah. in, in the answer. Vinny, will you yeah. understand that there will be people who won't buy the shirt because of the sponsor? Yeah, and we do get, you know, we do get that feedback. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, 
the sponsorship, the front shirt sponsorship is one of the key revenue drivers of, of, of the club and you know they have been a great partner and they've stepped up and they've you know delivered on all their obligations and you know we, we, we would support them as they support us in, in partnership really. I want to talk about the match day uh, situation in general. Pardeep Garsha, Jeff has talked about the absence of a four-star hotel in the city uh, and he, does he think it negates the sort of corporate hospitality offering of Wolves as a whole in terms of that weekend experience? Yeah, not only about hotel, about everything. I think uh, uh, as a new citizen here in the city, right, so five years already, so I do think we need more restaurants. And yeah. Better with better Chinese food or Asian <laughs> food. <laughs> but where, where can Fosun help with that? I don't know. It's not our job. Sorry, I have to say that. <laughs> Just, uh, and also we need, of course, we need a five-star five hotel. I think uh, because if, but I think we can do some job to help the government because if Wolves can be a top club in the future and uh, we will attract more and more tourists to come to the city and I think the demand will, will grow. So then eventually the market will have the capacity to, to have some new hotels and new restaurants. Like uh, I often go to Cambridge or Oxford, uh, I can find a really good restaurants there because there are foreign students there. Right? So I think yeah. that, that's the same. So eventually I hope one day by the help of Wolves, the club here, we can attract more and more tourists, new citizens like me and the foreigners to, to come. Then Wolverhampton can be more globalized, then we have more restaurants, more hotels. Yeah, that's my personal hope. But uh, I, sorry, I don't think it's, it's, it's my job. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We will yeah. only hold you responsible for so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Groom has sent in a, a question. It's a very lengthy question, Russ, about his ideas for pre-match, half-time and post-match entertainment. He's come out with a, a whole plethora of ideas about a Molyneux TV. He's essentially looking for a big outside broadcast to, to supplement what's going on on the pitch. Where do you stand with what you can do on a match day? Uh, well, I mean, we've obviously tried to do what we can behind closed doors. So Matchday Live is a product that we've has been really, really successful. You know, you're talking about sort of four or five times the views that we traditionally would get from an audio broadcast. And so I don't see any reason why we wouldn't look to continue that. Uh, funny enough, I, I spoke to Lindsay Hooper, who, who did some work for us as a pitch-side presenter during the Europa League games. And one of her suggestions was to, to utilise... The screens a little bit more rather than on pitch talent and, and I think she's got a point so we're always looking to sort of beef up our media products so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm there you know it's something that we're, we're really really keen to do. I'm going to stay with you Russ, uh, Ian on. Davis is a big fan of the programme and a lot of clubs have, have gone off yeah. the, 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 um, the, the programme and headed down the digital route but I know, I know many fans enjoy the programme, what the, what's the future for the actual physical programme? Well, I think, I mean this year we've had three, ultimately we've had three types of programmes so we were, again, we were conscious of trying to service. Uh, uh, so we've got an audio program, so you can actually literally listen to the program. We've got a digital program, and we've also still remained uh, doing the print of the, of the physical program. I think whilst it's profitable, you know, we really believe in the product. We believe it's a really good product. It is still profitable, um, and so we'll continue to run it. I think those days when it becomes unprofitable anymore because perhaps it's run its course, then, then obviously we'd have to look at it again. As it stands at the moment, it's a product we're really proud of, um, and you know we have, we have no intention to to uh, 
to stop it right now. That's good, yeah, because it, it's a great programme and I know a lot of fans uh, think that as well. Tom Woolley isn't a fan of the fan park, though he says it's congested and poorly arranged. Uh, any any work going to take place there? <laughs> you know what, that's the first time I've heard negative feedback <laughs> about the fan park. I think the fact it's congested is, from, from my perspective, good, good news. Yeah. <laughs> um, if there was no one there, then I'd be a bit more concerned. So I think first and foremost, if it's congested, that means it's popular. So that, that's a great start. And also, it's also a good start in terms of us developing it and improving it. So, is it perfect? No. Um, you know, however, it's gone from nothing to, to congested. So, it's it's something we believe in. It's part of the match experience. It's a it's a it's a free addition to your match day, both pre and and post match day. So, yeah, it's 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 something we'll definitely continue to do. And you know, I'm happy to speak to uh, speak to him to speak get his feedback yeah. about how we can improve it. And what we've done previously is a bit of a proof of concept. You know? Yeah. I think we've we've put a bit of music in and a burger and a bit of merch. Mm. You know, and we've seen that it's popular and it works. So yeah, I think we just build from there. Now. Absolutely, we do. Jeff, um, a question here about uh, from Ryan about cryptocurrency. Can you see the day when you'd accept cryptocurrency <laughs> as payment for tickets? Uh, I don't know if you saw Elon Musk tweeting about uh, Bitcoin recently. Virtually tanked the market. Where, where do you stand on that? Yeah, yeah. Personally, I will support that if the country allows that. Yeah. I, I think it's if the country allows that, it means the new thing will not hurt the uh, financial system in the country. So, for example, in China, it's not legal, but here it's okay. So it depends on the regulation of, of each country. So if it's allowed here in the UK, I'm not against that. But uh, Globally, it's still, I think it's still a slow process mm -hmm. to accept that from the governments around the world. So it will take a long time f to be a global currency, I think. I don't see it will happen very soon, but uh, in some country, we can do that, yeah. What about the internet at the ground? Claire Elliott said uh, internet upgrades were promised a while ago and haven't happened. Mm -hmm. so, so we've done some internet upgrades. So if you're within the concourses, you can access Wi-Fi for the Wolves app. I think the next stage for us then is definitely taking that into the stadium. It's, it is a significant investment. Um, you know, however, we do believe there's a, there's a place for it. Um, and we've talked again before, what does that look like? Well, it enables us to do sort of video replays from your seat, enables us to do order food and beverage from your seat. So, so there's lots of benefits to it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it is something that as a, as a group we're, we're committed to. So uh, watch your space on that one. Yeah, and, and, and if we're being fair, you know, when we talked earlier about value and we talked about Price, price, ticket prices. That's something that I would expect to, to be, you know, a standard as, as being a good, a, you know, good service within the ground for what you're paying your money for. So, I think, as Russ said, that's that's something that we're keen to do. Is that is that a good point you make about the fact that when you charge the prices you're charging, you're going to be held to account for what comes with the with the ticket? We've got to get the product right. You're not just in general admission ticketing, but across the board. You know, if you know we, what we charge, we build up to, to suit the product that we're servicing, and we always want to have tiering of products as well. So we want entry level accessible products, but we want you know higher end premium products as well, and everything on that value chain should should be befitting of its price. It's almost the entire live experience, isn't it? So the congested fan park, you know, <laughs> right, right through to the, the DJs, the fireworks, the lights, the, you know, this is, we're putting on a show and we have to deliver great value. The keys at the turnstiles. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. sorting the keys, <laughs> yeah, the keys at the turnstiles. Yeah. Uh, we can't leave um, this table without talking about the women's team, which has made great mm. strides and, and mm. generated a lot yeah. of publicity, really positively for the club, and, and that the club has, has covered them brilliantly. Um, what, what's Scott? Any plans for the long term with the with the women's team? 
I think we've been talking a lot, myself and Jeff, and we've been talking with, uh, with, with Will from the foundation about the women's team moving forward. I think we certainly want to put some, some strong foundations. I think there's certainly of interest. Um, I think you know, over the last two or three years, we've, we've taken away pain to play was the first step. The girls now train, and they were before COVID training here. Uh, the RTC, which is the girls' academy, also started to train here, and, and, and with COVID couldn't. Now they're back and they're playing games here at the weekend. I think from my point of view as my role, I think I want to have an academy here for both boys and girls. And that's the target from our point of view. And I think from that, we can put some really strong foundations in that we can really grow. Um, and then let's see where it goes, really. I think um, hopefully promotion, and that's something we've applied through, through the FA. Uh, and then from there, we'll really start to build the club. Jeff's keen on and really getting participation for the he wants the same opportunity for girls in Wolverhampton as, as for, for boys or in the middle to come to it we're trying to make it really a, a place that young young girls want to come and train and play and, and get the opportunity yeah Jeff is it more than just the the women's team are you looking past that yeah I, I think we have to uh, I think you have two options the, op the first option is like maybe Chelsea or many many they are pursuing the glorious trophies for women's team so but we are not doing that way because i don't think there is a really commercial market there uh, but i think uh, i'm very keen to encourage the girls there here and in Wolverhampton they have the same chance to play football as the boys so we will open the academy to them they, uh, for every age group they will share the same chance to enjoy the facility here to play on the pitch here to have the education from the coach here and so we will share the same opportunity to them. Then in future, if they can play for Wolves, even they, they will move, move, uh, move to Chelsea, to, to other big clubs, uh, but we have done our job and to help them to have a good career. So that's our major view on the women's team here. So the focus for the next five years will be more about uh, young girls and uh, how can help them to get a chance. Because maybe we have m many ta uh, talented girls here but maybe they have never a chance to have the training at a young age, so we can provide that. So we don't want to have any disparity between girls and boys. So that's our focus. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just to wrap things off, it, it's been an incredibly difficult, challenging, and unique year. What are your hopes just going forward in the in the short term? I think the fact we're still standing <laughs> this season is an achievement. But you know, I think. As I said, I think it. You know, if we can reset, have a good pre-season. You know, I go. I'm a, a football man. I go back about our experience in the Europa League. It would be great to be challenging again next season for a European spot. You know, it's going to be tough because you know this season we've got the likes of, you know, Everton, West Ham, you know, Leeds, Villa. We're trying to do the same. So I think they think we can underestimate. It's going to be tough again next season, but. I still think we've got the squad that that can do it, and, and, sure, and I know we'll improve it in the summer. And I think we'll be, hopefully, we'll be there or thereabouts again. We'll have key players coming back, and I think it's a great opportunity. I think we must look at look back at the journey we've had. Really, I think you know, mm. if I look at my five, nearly six years at the club, where mm. we were and where we are now. So I think we've mm. got a lot to be proud of first, mm. and I'm very proud of what everybody at the football club's done in that time. I think that yeah, we're, we're looking to progress again. And, you know, this season's been a disappointing by the previous year's standards, but I think we're still very proud of what everybody's done in a very difficult period, uh, and I'm sure we'll be pushing again next season.
Yeah, it's, it's interesting to say it's been disappointing, but I think it's only been disappointing by previous years. Uh, it, it, yeah. Taken in isolation, yeah. uh, I mean, Vinny, it, it, it's it's a decent season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, I think someone someone mentioned to me it's it's the third it's the third highest finish in forty years yeah. that the club's had, and you know, a lot of people are looking back with yeah. disappointment. I think that yeah. just shows really how far as a as a club we've come, and in terms of my expectations and my hopes professionally. I hope that the new partners that we're onboarding uh, get off to a great start. The teams are focused on building excellent products, and our trading strategies continue. And I'm, you know, I'm really hopeful that we can we can hit our targets as we get back into a more business as usual year. But personally, you know, I just want to see Molyneux packed to the rafters again because you know when it's full, uh, there's no stadium in the UK like it. And I hope we can get there sooner rather than later. Russ, have you missed the overseas travel and, and everything that comes with the job? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, look, I, I have. Obviously, they're you know always fun trips. Spend a lot of time in China, a lot of time in the US. You know, we had a fantastic pre-season tour organised. Crikey, we're going back sort of two summers now, uh, which unfortunately didn't happen because of COVID. So we've got all that to come, and I think that's the exciting thing. You know, we've got. I think there's probably about three or four projects that are in the pipeline that we'll be announcing, which are massively excited in terms of growing our fan base internationally um, you know and at the right time touring pre-season uh, there's so much so much to look forward to Jeff would you acknowledge that it's, it's forward-looking that, that we should be concentrating on yeah it's, it's five years now as I, I still remember vividly about the day I came here the first time it's just uh, so I still remember the welcome from the fans, but now I have more sticks. So you can see a bit of Actually, I think the club, the club has grown a lot in the last five years. But for the next five years, I think it's more, more about the, the, to strengthen the whole club, not only about the first 11. You know? So maybe in the last five years, it's more about the first team to get the promotion to stay up in the league and to, to go to the Europa League. But in long-term view, and it's always about the competition between clubs, about the whole structure, and whether the structure is solid enough, and about the academy, about the commercial strengths, about the fan base, about all the people here, whether they are better than the people in other clubs. So, so that's the, the focus. So what I'm thinking is not only about the next season, it's about how to make the club a better club, a better run club, and. Also, a top club regarding the management efficiency, or the growth, or the financial capacity, or I think about all of them. I believe, in long term view, and when you talk about a better club comprehensively across everything, they will prevail and it lasts. I think if you only sort out the first eleven, maybe they can bring you a good season for one or two seasons, but it will not last. You know, so. So that's my job for the next five years. So if you think about 10 years plan, so I think there will be a different tone between the first five and the next five. I hope after the next five years, uh, when I'm re re reaching 50 years old, uh, I can say Wolves is really a top club, not only about the performance on the pitch, about everything inside the club. Yeah. Thanks for listening to episode three of Ask Wolves. In the final edition, we hear exclusively from Executive Chairman Jeff Shee, who speaks at length about Foson's relationship with the club, the medium and long-term ambitions for Wolves, while reflecting on five eventful years as chairman of the club.